Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Ryan Miner, and you are listening to A Minor Detail, brought to you by Blog Talk Radio. And you can find me on the web at aminordetail.com, and my Twitter handle is twitter.com. Uh, actually, it's at ryanrminer.com. I'm in the, the website frame of mind. But I have a very special guest with me today. Uh, her name is Ami Hober. She is running for the United States House of Representatives as a Republican and Maryland's 6th Congressional District. Hey, Ami, how are you? I'm fine, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so obviously we both attended the, the debate last night, but we both sat in very separate seats. Um, of course, you were featured uh, front and center um, among your eight, uh, among seven other colleagues, and um, I was on the, the side recording it and uh, following along just as uh, everybody else was. And uh, they had a pretty good they had a pretty good turnout, didn't they? I thought it was an excellent turnout, and I was certainly pleased that people are interested enough in this campaign to be there and to listen to all of us. I I agree. I think it went uh I think it went really well. Um and I think that uh each and every candidate who came last night, I was really surprised that all eight came, which is speaks um speaks a lot to the caliber of the candidates that we have running in the sixth congressional district. And I just want to say thanks for running and I would say this to any candidate, it's tough uh to put your name onto a ballot and being a first time candidate like yourself. I can imagine that, you know, you're not a politician and you haven't done this two or three or four times or, you know, in some cases 30 times. Um, and uh, I, I just want to say thanks for running and thanks for putting out ideas. It's not easy, is it? No, it's not easy. But I was absolutely delighted that I actually won the straw poll, uh, I, beating out all the other candidates vying for this seat. And I'm delighted that the audience felt that way. I recognize, of course, that it wasn't a scientific poll in any sense of the word. Um, but it was certainly rewarding to me to come out as well as I did. And it assures me that people are seriously paying attention to what I think is the major issue, which is national security and homeland defense. And I certainly bring a lot of expertise in that arena. You've spent many years in the defense sector. Uh, you went to your undergraduate was at Stanford, and then you went on to was it? Did you go to Stanford Grad School? I went to Stanford Grad School, and then I went to American Grad School, and then I went to UCLA, uh, partly because we moved around at that point more than you know more than enough so that I couldn't <laughs> get an actual graduate degree. But I did graduate studies at all three places. Well, I, I I just want to say thanks for all your service that you have done, and and a lot of it that you know we've had conversations back and forth. A lot of it which you you can't talk about, but you have um, for the last thirty to forty years you have stood up and protected our country during some of our most tumultuous uh, affairs, uh, both domestic and foreign. And um, and then this is your first time that you put your name on to a ballot. And last night was your first opportunity, really your, for, for all the candidates, to introduce introduce themselves to the 6th District, to Maryland residents, and put out a platform and a series of ideas about why you're running and what you can do for the constituents from Cumberland, uh, from Garrett County, all the way down to Frederick and Washington County and Montgomery. And you each listed some principles that you want to ensure that you enact once you get to Congress. And so last night, looking at the scope of the debate, what, um, what, was there anything that surprised you about the debate, or what, what did you most like about meeting uh, with your, your other colleagues and sitting in front of several people in the audience? Well, I must say that the one thing I didn't enjoy was being harassed and heckled while I was trying to answer a question. But other than that, um, I would have hoped that the debate might have fo focused a little more on precisely what people could do for the different parts of this very diverse district. I mean, I worked up in all of my travels around the district. I've worked up my own concept as to the particular things each county needs that I could help with in Congress. And I just wish we had had enough time last night to be able to articulate that 
for all of us candidates to articulate our views on that. And There's I think never that, enough that would have been interesting. There's never well, enough look, time, and particularly. You know, I, um, I had talked to you, absolutely, and I talked to you last night. I know you've spent a considerable amount of time with your team preparing and putting together um, your policy stances. And uh, you, uh, only yesterday, uh, you were... Uh, you were forced to change your opening remarks and, and uh, cut them down to what, one minute? One minute, yes. They had originally given us three minutes each, and I thought, how are they going to fit that in with eight candidates? <laughs> but then yesterday they cut it down to one minute, and I wasn't able to make all the important points I wanted to make on what I could do for the district. Uh, but I was able to focus on what I think is the top priority, which is, in fact, national security and the protection of our families from the threats that face us. Well, putting together a debate is no easy feat, and uh, I, I give credit to uh, the Montgomery County Republican Party and Dwight Patel um, and for, for leading that, and Cat O'Connor, um, and to, the, uh, and to uh, two of the panelists, I'm sorry, two of the panelists, yes, uh, Matthew Foley and Cat O'Connor. Um, but one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you on today is to express my personal disgust and disappointment um, uh, against Brian Griffiths of Red Maryland for doing an absolute disgusting hack job against you. And look, I want to say this loud and clear for anybody who is listening to this show. I have been fair across, to the, across the board. I, yes, I have taken on some candidates in the 6th District I have not, in, my, my endorsement is literally meaningless in this district, but I'm saying that I provide a media outlet and a forum for people to come on and talk about uh, the issues, to talk about what's most important. And I believe last night, not only did Brian Griffiths, I think he had no business being there, and I even said, I thought he would be a solid panelist, Ami. I did. I wrote that into a private message, but then I realized, well, um, I couldn't give $500 in paid advertisement to be uh, a debate sponsor. Therefore, I wasn't eligible to be there. So basically, Red Maryland bought their way into a sponsorship uh, using their quote-unquote advertise advertising airspace on their network. And look, they once asked me to be part of their network. Uh, I get really, really good ratings on my network, and uh, I didn't want to be part of the dopey network to begin with. Um, and so, you know, we talked about it. And I've always gotten along with Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein and Andrew Langer, Mark Nudrit, all smart guys, all have done a lot of work in the state party. But what I saw last night totally disgusted me because there was nothing fair about the way in which Brian attacked you and singled you out personally. And that's what I want to bring you on today because, look, they are promulgating information about your campaign that I know is false that most of the people in that room know is false. So I want you today to have the opportunity to talk about what, what happened last night and to clarify. So I'm just going to ask you a straight question. Ami Hober, are you pro-life or are you pro-abortion? I am not pro-abortion. The headline in Brian's article this morning was totally wrong, and personally, as an author and an editor-in-chief, I think he should be ashamed as a journalist for purposefully misrepresenting what I said. Anyone who views the video can hear exactly what I say, and thank you for posting the video so that people can, in fact, look at it. I think Brian was unprofessional and unrepublican, and I think I deserve both a retraction and an apology. I think he has damaged both his reputation, probably rightfully so, but I think he's also hurt the reputation of all of us Republicans for putting forth that sort of a diatribe. I am not pro-abortion. Um, I encourage video voters to review the video to see exactly what I did say. I was raised by a Roman Catholic mother. Um, I understand the divergence of views in this district. I would never personally have an abortion, but in a larger sense, I really strongly believe that the federal government should not intrude into people's personal lives, and that's why, where I stand. Why do you think? Why do you think you were singled out for that question? Because they didn't ask anybody else the same question. Because they prefaced it with your work with the House of Ruth. 
And do you think that you were singled out specifically for that question, or do you think you just got that by chance? No, I I don't think that was done by a luck of the draw. I think I was singled out because Brian is probably supporting another candidate in this race, which in my view should have made him ineligible to be a candidate uh, panelist. Um, But I think it's because uh, he's concerned that I'm doing well. Um, I don't know who Brian is supporting. He doesn't live in the sixth district, and um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I really don't read. Red Maryland. I do their occasional uh, polls, uh, and I sign in to, you know, I, sometimes I've listened to their show it's sporadically, but um, it's gone down so hill, gone, gone so far downhill since Mark Nugent left and Andrew Langer left, who are both fantastic guys. Now, they do have a really great reporter, uh, Dwayne, who works for them, uh, who's a really fantastic guy, but I just simply tune out because they have a tax and, and I'm guilty of it, too. Look, I've, I've gone after my fair share of Republicans. But they have gone after people that I very much care about as personal friends. For instance, Wendy Peters, they have attacked her. They have gone after people like David Brinkley, who is our Secretary of Budget, uh, and have supported people like Michael Huff, and that's fine. And, you know, your job is not to get into that. But I'm saying that this is a pattern with them where they have done disingenuous things. They have written disingenuous things. And when I saw the headline last night, I reached out to Brian. I sent him a personal message, and I said to him, you should apologize. You should be ashamed for that. This is bad journalism, and he knows it. And he was there to make a statement. And I'm sorry that you were the recipient of it, but you said today, unequivocally, you are not pro-abortion. Is that correct? I just want you to repeat that. I will repeat that. I am not pro-abortion. The headline is totally wrong. I, but I'm, on the other hand, I'm not interested in picking fights or in provoking you know, other people to attack. Or like, like Hogan said at one point, don't spend your political energies on matters of lesser importance. I think we have more important issues in this campaign. Well, I mean, a life issue, I mean, personally for me, I am pro-life. Um, I'm part of a organization, the Knights of Columbus, and we support life, and we support people who support life. And uh, I, I just want to read a clip from Brian's article that he wrote, uh, and it said, Hober just would not answer the question. The idea of referring to question to the, the, the idea of referring the question to settle ball when asked a direct question about abortion is a convenient dodge. Unfortunately, many of the things were settled ball too. Separate but equal was settled ball. The Dred Scott decision was settled ball. But those settled laws were morally abhorrent, much like the idea that abortion remains legal is morally abhorrent today. To not have a position on abortion one way or the other is like voting present on one of the most important moral issues of our day. Realistically, however, her answer and her reference to settled law shows that she is, in fact, a proponent of abortion. Ami, do you have a response? I am not a proponent of abortion. I mean, I don't know how to uh, prove a negative there, uh, but I am not a proponent of abortion. I think this was basically a smear job. I think it was planned. I think, uh, you know, it was a deliberate attack at me for whatever reason may be driving him, and I think it's unprofessional, and uh, you know, he should be castigated as a journalist for that sort of behavior. Well, he's not a journalist. He's a political blogger. And look, many of things, there's many articles that Brian has written previously that I have agreed with and support, and Brian is a very bright guy. He's an excellent writer, and he's someone that clearly understands political issues Policy-wise, he's very strong. But on this issue, I mean, and I would even go far as far as to say that Brian is a friend. Uh, I don't know how much anymore because I did call him out. And, of course, any time you ever call anybody else out, it's somehow perceived as an attack. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to stand by and watch Red Maryland uh, attack candidates. If this were Frank Howard, if this were Frank Howard that were attacked, I would have done the same thing. Because this is not quality journalism. That, I believe, last night was a setup. I mean, they asked you, you were the only candidate on, you know, the only female candidate on stage. And look, Ami, 
you know as well as I do, and let's be realistic with one another. You are a candidate for Congress, and you are going to get questions that are going to be extremely tough. I mean, think about it. You're going to go to Congress, and you're going to be dealing with, you know, 434 other people, plus the President of the United States, and plus working with the Senate. This is, I mean, this hardball is what you were, you know, you've come to expect. Is that correct? Oh, that's correct. Hey, I've worked with the president before. I met with Reagan when I was working for him in the Pentagon. I've worked with the Senate before. I've worked with the House of Representatives before. Um, I am comfortable standing up to all of them and saying what I believe. Um, And I think the real focus here in this election, um, the 6th District Congressional primary and the Republican Party ought to be on issues that matter to this country, uh, that matter to the Congress. Uh, It ought to be focused on the top issue of the moment, which is national defense and security. We are risking our security. We are risking our standing in the world. And those are the areas that I think we ought to be debating how we address, rather than personal beliefs that are, in fact, um, things that have been decided by the Supreme Court. Right. Well, now um, um, I can, you know, I have Andrew Langer, who is on Twitter now, a former Red Maryland guy, um, saying that I am res- that I am resentful that Red Maryland was a sponsor and he wasn't. And I just want to say that um, I get I get huge ratings. On my show, I have a lot of people in the state of Maryland who have listened to me. I have grown my personal radio show, my blog, organically. And when I was asked to be part of Red Maryland, I turned them down because one, I wanted to do my own thing, and two, they have done so many um, below the belt things to people that I care about. And quite frankly, I didn't want to. I wouldn't want to be part of that organization. And for someone to suggest that I am uh, resentful that I'm not a sponsor, and Red Maryland was, well, you know what? The way that the sponsorship was, uh, the way that they decided who was going to be a sponsorship is somebody from the Montgomery County Republican Party apparently took a look at Red Maryland's analytics and then decided they were going to be a sponsor. Well, first of all, I don't need to show you my analytics either. I offered them money. They turned me down. And so I, I think that that's sort of an interesting argument to say that I'm sort of jealous or resentful. Well, that's not it at all. I think that that's completely bogus. Well, let me me ask a question, Ryan. Even if it were true, what does that have to do with the subject? Well, it's important. Yeah, exactly. What does it have to do with the subject? Now, I want to bring this topic up, Ami. Uh, You are – Brian opened up the debate. Uh, During the debate, he said he asked a question related to your involvement in the National Women's Political Caucus. And he pointed out that you notate that on your website, and you noted that you've been involved in the organization at various times when you were living in Los Angeles and Northern Virginia, and he wrote in his article from uh, yesterday, the National Women's Political Caucus is an organization which describes itself as a multipartisan grassroots organization dedicated to increasing women's participation in the political process and creating a political power base designed to achieve equality for all women. And then... He said, given that they put this kind of stuff on Facebook and endorsed Donna Edwards for the U.S. Senate, you can be the judge of that. And then this morning, he put your picture next to the pick logo that says, hashtag stand with PP, which, of course, means Planned Parenthood. Do you think that was disingenuous? Of course, and besides, it probably violated trademark law. <laughs> well, you would know. Um, but, I, no... But but the the National Women's Political Caucus is in fact bipartisan. It always has been bipartisan. Um, I was one of the early Republican chairs of local caucuses. Kathy Wilson, my dear friend, was the who is unfortunately now deceased, is was the first Republican chair of that. There have been numerous Republican participants in the NWPC since its beginning. You and I have talked offline and and before um about the some of the videos that were uh purportedly to show that planned parenthood was um selling baby parts uh to you know uh, whoever and uh I watched the videos and you know I can't 100% verify the veracity of the videos but nonetheless 
what I saw was disturbing. And in a Republican primary, there's a question, um, I think, in this district. This is a socially and culturally conservative district, especially in the western parts of the county or uh, of the the district, you know, from Frederick to Washington to Allegheny to Garrett County. Um, And people want to know, you know, if Ami Hober got to Congress, uh, what would be her approach to Planned Parenthood? Well, primarily my approach is that there is an ongoing investigation, and I would, in fact, like to see the results of that investigation before finalizing any reaction to it. But certainly, if proven guilty of breaking the law, they should absolutely be held accountable. All people who break the law should be absolutely held accountable. I agree. Uh, We haven't seen the totality of the results of, of that. And, uh, you know, I think when many Republicans say, or, you know, Republicans, Democrats, and heck, we could forget partisanship here and say we should defund Planned Parenthood, um, okay, well, let's talk about what does that mean and how does that work. Um, and so, well, there, if there you are were two in- approaches. There are two approaches to this. Basically, the United States system of justice says that one is innocent until proven guilty. Uh, that's one approach, and I think we have to see the evidence before we can determine whether they are truly guilty or not. But the second mm-hmm. approach is to consider uh, suspending everything, like you suspend a, a policeman who has you know, shot somebody in the line of duty. You may suspend them until the investigation is complete, and that's another approach. And I think either approach is acceptable here, and so that's that's fine. But we do have those two approaches to justice, and I think we need to look at this as a legal issue. When you you have said in the past um, that you are, and you said it unequivocally, uh, at least three times today or more, that you are not pro-abortion. And people want to know, who are pro-life, that you will stand with them. Would you stand with people who support the life issues that would come, that would, I I don't even conceivably see that come before Congress, except through perhaps Planned Parenthood, and I even had this discussion, but would you stand with people who are pro-life? I think that's their right, absolutely. Okay. And I mean, I don't know how I don't know how to say it other than that. They have exactly the right to whatever belief they want. In my view, uh, you know, that's that's fine. And and I think the the whole issue here is, and I mean, let's let's just cut to the chase. What Brian was trying to do and what he did was intellectually dishonest. You never said last night once that you were that yes. You support abortion. You never said that. Those words never came out of your mouth. So he must have really had to bridge that assumption to make the, to make you sound like you were pro-abortion. And that's exactly what he did. And let me tell you something else that he did that is also equally disgusting, in that he had, he had sent a tweet to the National Republican Congressional Committee stating that, why are you supporting Ami Hover when she's pro-abortion? And I think that that is also reprehensible and disgusting and beneath the dignity of Brian's position at Red Maryland, and he should apologize to you. Well, I think, I think as I said earlier, I would like a retraction and an apology. I don't believe I'm likely to get it because I don't think he's honorable enough to do that. Well, and, you know, there's certainly a case to be made after reading the article that he wrote last night, and... I guarantee, well, I I won't say I guarantee you, but I can tell you that there will be a hit piece coming towards me probably within the next week saying that I am a shill for you. And let me just say this to anybody who is listening. I have not endorsed anybody. If this were Frank Howard in this position, if this were David Vogt or Errol Boehner or Dr. Scott Chang or uh, even Robin Ficker, if they misquoted Robin Ficker, I would ask Robin Ficker to come on this show as much tension as Robin and I have together, I would give Robin a fair shake to come on and talk about what his true position is. Because only you can tell you tell everybody else what your position is. And you said it. You are not pro abortion. So, I am not pro abortion. I you know, I'm not sure how many times I can <laughs> say that and not be believed of course, but that's okay. I mean that's, Have you gotten that's... any feedback? Have you got since last night what was some of the feedback that you've received? 
I've received a variety of feedback. Uh, most people have actually almost apologized for Brian. Uh, most people have said they understood what I said and stand with me. Um, I've gotten a few people that have been um, really truly apologetic and, and empathetic. Uh, they all thought that I should uh, you know, be proud of myself for the way I stood up to the hecklers. Um, there are a few, uh, and, you know, that's not typical debate decorum where people heckle you and, uh, you know, they. I, I met someone that, that did that to you last night, and I kindly told him, and if he had done this to any of the other candidates, that it was very rude. Um, and I, I just find the whole debate, I, I, I think some of the questions were important, and I think you had an opportunity to talk about, uh, you had an opportunity to talk about uh, national security, and I think you had an opportunity to talk about some really important elements of what's most affecting CD6. And so, Ami, here's the issue. What do you think is most important right now? What is the biggest, single biggest issue in CD6 that you believe well, I, is the most potent? I think the senior, the, the most important issue in CD6 is that we need a stronger voice in Congress in order to be able to help influence the provision of national security to both our capital area and the rest of the state. I think that uh, the world is more dangerous than it used to be. I think we are subject to not only attacks internally, such as happened in San Bernardino, uh, but attacks externally. You know, look at look at what happened with North Korea's uh, recent sure. explosion. Uh, they want to get back in the forefront of being a threat to us. Uh, and, you know, I think the country needs more focus on its standing in the nation, as a nation in the world. I think we've lost a lot of our influence and things like that. Now, a second issue, which is, I'm not sure how much time we have left to talk about it, but a second issue oh, is... Oh, sure. I mean, we have... Um we have uh, a half an hour left. I put it on okay. for an hour, the show today. So okay. uh, this, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about that is was not even mentioned by Brian in his article, uh, and I think unfairly so, was my long history of being a supporter of women in a variety of ways. As I said last night, I've been a board member of the House of Ruth, Maryland, for more than a decade. I'm a major funder of theirs. Um, I am a strong supporter of the work that they do to provide legal services and shelter to women and children escaping abusive relationships. Um, and I have been a mentor to a lot of young women in professional lives uh, for many years. And I think that that attests to how much I try to help women establish themselves uh, economically and with voices. The membership in NWPC over the years has only been part of my activism to encourage women to grow and prosper and take care of themselves. Well, part of the organization, from my understanding, is to help mentor young women in uh, professional careers. And could you talk about yes. that experience? Well, there are several groups of women that, well, let me back up to when I was originally entering my profession, which was literally into the defense business the day after I got out of college, um, there were no senior women for me to talk to. Now, I had a bunch of wonderful male mentors, but I'm not sure you understand that because you're a male, but any other woman would understand <laughs> it. There are really mentoring things you need from another woman at some point. Um, and I missed it, and I've, I've always regretted missing that. And so I feel I have moral obligation to provide the sort of hand-holding and conversation and mentoring and nurturing that... Uh, to the younger women, primarily in the defense business, because those are the groups I know, uh, today. And so there are two or three groups of young women that I work with, uh, one of them that I helped establish called CLONE, uh, which is 
you know, chemical only, ladies only network event, and we we meet. It's the women in the chemical and biological and nuclear defense world um, that meet at my house about every two months, and we have conversations about where are they in their careers, what decisions are they facing, and what the pros and cons of choices on their professional advancement are, um, what courses maybe they should take, what are other women's experiences in combating things like work pe- workplace sexism. Um, I mean, all sorts of discussions that that are mentoring and nurturing them over the years. And this has been going on for many years, since long before I ever even considered getting into the political arena. This has been a lifelong and, path. <laughs> and you know, I've you you have told me because I'm I'm always curious that you grew up, you know, through the Reagan. You 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 worked with uh, President Reagan, and uh, you had a prominent position in the administration, and you did some really interesting things in your career. That's always that's always kind of drawn me to, uh, to to ask a lot of questions. And I remember I said, Ami, tell me a tell me a story. Tell me a good and I asked all the candidates, tell me a story about your experience, tell me a story um that kind of makes you individualistic and unique. And because I always wondered, you know, back in the, the 60s, 70s, I heard stories. My grandmother, she's eighty three, Ami, and uh she uh she grew up in a time where uh, you know, she was working as a uh, a secretary, as they called them back then, um, which is <laughs> Despite political correctness, it's it's changed now to much different phraseology. But they called her a secretary, and she worked for a roofing company for most of her life. And um, you know, she's she's received some of the so-called the Mad Men treatment of the '60s show, and you see that. And I remember you told me a really funny story. I don't know if you're willing to share it, but uh, you uh, somebody once underestimated you, and that was probably the wrong thing to do. What the telephone story? Did yes. I tell you that one? Yes, no, you told one of, me that. One, yeah, one of my bosses at one point, when when we were having a conversation about my future, told me that I was far too ambitious for a woman. At which point, I picked up his phone and threw it through his window. Um, and that's <laughs> the reality of what happened. Um, and then. From my understanding, and then I, then I, I walked out, and we didn't we didn't speak for years. <laughs> so you, you and then finally he needed telephone. some. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. You picked well, up a telephone and tossed it right through the window. Yeah. That's kind of funny. And those I mean, were the days of why of only landline wired telephones, and so it dangled there for a while. That's kind of funny. I, I would have loved. And to then see I that went. Scene. I went back to my office and I called my best friend and I said, "I don't know whether I just had my finest moment or my worst." But that was a <laughs> long time ago, and you know, I I am Italian by background, um, as I think I've said. I was raised by an Italian immigrant Roman Catholic mother, um, and so I do occasionally have an Italian temper. Well, I I know that. I grew up with that. I still am a recipient of that, so I I empathize with you on that point. Um so you've been out you've been out and about um all over the sixth district. Um and you've you've seen some of your primary opponents and, and by the way, what I really appreciate about the candidates that are running, especially Frank Howard and, and David Vogt and, and Harold Painter too as well, and I don't know some of the other candidates, but and, and Terry Baker, you guys have all been so very nice to one another. Yes, and I think I like all of them um, pretty much, and I think we have respect for each other, and I wouldn't ever have expected any of the other candidates basically to to have picked that sort of a fight about me with me yesterday. Yeah, Um Everybody was surprisingly chill yesterday. They were, it was calm. Uh, you know, there were a few moments that were interesting, to, to say the least. But um, it was, from my perspective, and somebody who has been covering this race, I saw that um, everybody was, it was very uh, low-key. And um, 
you know, I look at what Mr. Griffiths did, and you know, he tried to manufacture a story for headlines when it just wasn't there. Yeah, and I'm still not interested in picking fights here. I I, no. I don't want to waste my energy on what I consider, you know, not the key issue of the year. I still think the key issue of the year is providing for our common defense. That's the task of the federal government. And it's essentially, if you go back to the Constitution, it's the only task. Everything else is a task of state government. Right. And then, you know, some people will... And and in response to that, Ami, I think some people are going to say, well, if she doesn't think life issues are important, then, you know, what kind of Republican is she? But you're not saying yeah, that. Yeah, but it's, not, it's not, not, important, not important in a governmental sense. And I think we share a commonality in that we, um, I want the government out of my life as much as possible. And right. So, I mean, where in Congress would, uh, you know, what what could you do as a congressperson if, if, if it came about and before the body to roll back any abortion restrictions. I mean, what would, where would the policy come from? What would, how would the process work? Well, I think that the Congress does not overrule the Supreme Court. Uh, I mm-hmm. think the the only issue here would be the possibility of a constitutional amendment, which uh, I agree with Frank Howard doesn't make sense. Uh, and um, and so in Frank- that, I don't think Congress has a role. Ah, you brought up a point. Um, and today, Lou Peck from Bethesda Beat, uh, a journalist, wrote today uh, in his column, he covered the seated six debate, and he had a full rundown. And he said, and he wrote, yet another candidate for the District 6 nomination, Laytonsville businessman Frank Howard, remained quiet during the debate on the issue, meaning the, uh, the issue that Brian brought up. Question afterward, he reiterated the position he took last year when he ran for a state senate seat in Montgomery County, that while personally opposed to abortion, he does not favor overturning Roe v. Wade via a constitutional amendment. And then, um, yeah, and then Ho, uh, he Peck went on to write about some of the other issues of the debate. Yeah. But yeah. Ami, I mean, isn't that pretty much exactly where you are in the same in the same respect? Well, I suppose if if an amendment came before Congress, I would read the details of it. But in general, I agree with Frank on that. Um, And so I wonder why Frank wasn't attacked. Because they only wanted to attack me. For some reason, it seems like that. And now the other panelists, um, I think the question, I think that Matthew Fulby and Cat O'Connor, I think they did a tremendous job yesterday. I really do. I gave them a lot of credit. And um, you answered one question that drew a lot of laughter, but not at you, but I think with you, um, and laughter and support, because you were asked about the Second Amendment. And uh, you said, we own guns, and I'm a good shot. And if anyone wants to take me on, I'm up for it. (laughs) And then you went on to say that I, I, uh, I think it's great. And uh, you said, I will not stand idly by while the right of ours is being threatened. And so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Second Amendment. Uh, it's a big issue now. Um, people, especially in light of the president's uh, executive orders that he issued um, and his uh, speech, he did sort of a forum. And um, I, I, I even saw that the uh, the widow of uh, the American the, the person who was featured in the American Sniper who uh, was killed, uh, she had questioned the President of the United States, and, uh, and they were talking a little bit about um, uh, gun gun issues. And so it's a big issue right now on the minds of everyday Americans. And so, Ami, do you, you support uh, concealed carry? I, I absolutely do. It does need to be permitted. <clears throat> I think there is a process in almost every state to permit it, and different states have different requirements, and I think the details need to be left to the states, but certainly I support it. Absolutely. And uh, so if, if you ever, if, if we ever uh, happen to go out onto the range, I, uh, you know, I think it's going to bruise my ego a little bit when you, uh, when you probably outshoot me. 
Well, I'll tell you, I did I did a fair amount of that when I was in the Army job. Uh, I learned how to shoot, I guess, many years ago on my cousin's farm in Nevada. Um, I'm comfortable with it. It's been a little while since I've done it, and so... You know, I have I have to say, if anybody really takes me up and we have a a shootout at a gun range, I probably ought to practice once or twice first. But uh, but I'm perfectly <laughs> up for it. You've taken some pot shots too, because uh, you know you are perceived as the front runner in this congressional race um, by by the amount of grassroots that you have put together. You have a team in place and. I think the most potent of the elements to put you into the front runner status include the ability for you to raise money. And right. I think that um I think anybody who thinks that it's crazy that a congression that it's that it's somehow outside of the ordinary to to raise a lot of money to run for this seat, they they must have their head examined. You have to raise a tremendous amount of money, especially against John Delaney, who is the third richest member of Congress. And I mean, you have raised more money than any of your opponents in this race. Am I right? Yeah, I think so, at least certainly as of the end of the last quarter reporting. Mm-hmm. I haven't and seen I think, any reports for this quarter yet. And, and look, you've taken some shots from, from other candidates, uh, or for one in particular, and, you know, we don't have to go there, but um, and they have they have sort of put a bullseye on your back. And look, that's to be expected. Hey, look, you're running for Congress. These shots are going to come. But I think that you've handled them, from my perspective and from many others um, that are watching this race from the outside, I think that you've, you've handled it uh, really well. Um, one of the issues they, they, they asked you last night, one of the issues, which was sort of interesting to see the response of the moderator um, when they asked uh, which candidates lived outside of the district, she said she just received a text message. Um, and I'm thinking, like, you, wait a second, you just received a text message, and now you're going to ask, which of the candidates live outside of the district. But let's be clear, it's not constitutionally mandated, uh, according to the Maryland Constitution, that you live inside of the district in which you represent. So you live, what, how many miles outside of the district? Well, I live one block outside the district, actually, (laughs) far closer than Dan Bongino did. And I actually live only four doors away from Delaney. We are both exactly one block outside the district, and this is fully in accordance with Maryland law. I've yes, lived here in Montgomery the, County for over 20 years. My values align with those of the 6th District. My interests are with the 6th District. And who knows where the lines are going to be You know, after the Supreme Court gets through with this and after uh, Hogan can undo some of the gerrymandering craziness. Speaking of Governor Hogan, during the campaign two years ago, they tried desperately to peg Governor Hogan. Uh, they, the, the Democrats went after him on some of the social issues and tried to put him into a pit. And you know what was great about Governor Hogan? He never took the bait. He never took that bait. He never got sucked into the pro-life, pro, pro-choice issues, the same-sex marriage, and you know all those social issues that, yes, of course, they do matter. Uh, yes, of course, that we have to discuss them. But he never got sucked into the hole of being able to or, or, or displacing him and his and his strategy. And I just want to point out that Red Maryland never attacked Governor Hogan for having almost virtually the same position as you do. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's not surprising from my point of view. I mean, I'm I'm sorry that it's distracting from what I think should be the major issues, which is to discuss you know, how the various candidates want to approach, you know, the security of our country and the future economically of our country. I'm The one thing that did not come out very well last night, actually, was my background as a small business person. I've had my own growing small business here in Montgomery County for 23 years. Um, it's been successful beyond my wildest dreams. I'm able to do some real projects that actually help Maryland uh, and that help bring jobs to the military facilities here in Maryland, which I strongly support. Uh, I I was actually up at Fort Detrick the other night, um, and I'm a strong advocate for all of the military facilities here in Maryland. Actually, none of them are in District 6, actually, but many of the people that work at them 
live in District 6. And so I care about those, but I have always cared about those. Those are the backbone of the provision of national security. I've heard a lot of stories from the candidates about their experience on the campaign trail, and I've asked you about that. And it always it always kind of it, – it's almost emotional about some of the stories that you hear, um, especially up, up in pe- – people are, are concerned They're about jobs. Uh, especially up in Western Maryland, and you have visited, uh, you have been in Western Maryland so much, um, you know, as well as the other candidates. But I have seen you a lot, a lot up in Garrett County, up in Allegheny County, and Washington County, and you're on the ground talking to people. And Ami, what are the issues? What are the issues that people are bringing to you and saying, if you're elected to Congress, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to help me? Well, the first thing that they all ask me, the first thing they literally all ask me is the Second Amendment question. And since once they get comfortable with my position on that, as they do, then they start telling me about their economic problems, which are in fact different in each county. For example, in Garrett County, one of their initial problems is that the government changed the definition for hub zones. Uh, that's the historically underutilized business zones. And um, that change reduced the ability of parts of Garrett County to obtain government contracts. And so one of the things that I talked to them about in fair detail was how to work on getting that back, because I'm quite familiar with that both from my time as a small business and my time uh, in the government where I actually gave that. Another one, of course, in Allegheny County is what to do with the demise of the coal industry. Um, The actual coal association itself has had to disband because there are no longer enough coal businesses to support it. And so I spent some time talking with Bill Valentine there about doing a dry fracking experiment. Bill Valentine just... uh if anybody's, you know, if anybody's, he's a county commissioner up in Allegheny County. Good right. job. Right. He's, he's chair of the county commission there. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I talked in Washington County. One of the subjects that did get discussed in great detail yesterday was the issue of the Route 81 modernization and the need to allow the state more flexibility uh, in what it can do in that area. And I particularly agreed with, I believe it was Terry Baker who talked about the possibility of having some public-private partnerships to help on that, uh, to address that. Yeah, that's a, I'm actually in Washington County today visiting my granddad, who is uh, recovering from, he just got out of the hospital. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking about the one of the one of some of the bigger employees, including the, the Meredith Hospital up in Washington County. And this is where I grew up, and this is my home. And, I mean, I, you know, I look at the transportation issue that we have on Interstate 81, and there's um, between 12 and 15 miles, I apologize, I don't know the exact mileage, between Pennsylvania and West Virginia. And you have, you have driven up and down that stretch of highway, and the problem in Washington County becomes when there's any sort of accident, when there's any sort of shutdown, it shuts down so much infrastructure. And it stops well, right. infrastructure. Yeah, it stops infrastructure, and the and and the flow of traffic into down into county. You know, of course, because 81 intersects with I-70 up in uh, Hagerstown, um, and that's a major problem. And uh, in our previous discussions, Ami, you have talked to me and have said that you are interested in working to see how we can fix the problem up in Washington County, and and using right. your position as a congressman to to uh, to to build upon the infrastructure problem and to really solve it. Well, that's right, and that is not only to solve the infrastructure, but that also solves a lot of the job problems, not just the temporary jobs involved with the rebuilding, but because a better transportation system will attract more business, will allow things like the warehousing and and distribution centers to move back into Washington County that have had to move out of it because of the insufficiency of the transportation right. Washington County is a great place, and there's one of the biggest issues up here, up in Washington County, is, of course, agriculture. 
And, um, you know, you we talked briefly about that. But, um, in fact, Congressman Delaney recently had Tom Vilsack, the Secretary of Agriculture, down to the Washington County um, the the Ag Center, and he did a sort of symposium uh, with the secretary and talked a little bit about uh, agriculture issues. And, you know, look, hey, we have a lot of farms up there in Washington County, and and uh, they want to make sure that their congressperson understands their interests. Right, right. And and in that thing, that step, I think he, he took a very good step, and I would certainly want to do that far earlier than uh, my fourth year in office. Yes. Ami, um, when you're when you're thinking about the general election, uh, what's it going to take to beat John Delaney? It's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of dedication. It will take a lot of people supporting me, both in terms of resource and in terms of time and energy. Uh, my approach to that is to develop the, the coalition um, across the district of the people that range from, you know, the Montgomery County, uh, Washington suburb types of people to the people out in Garrett, and that's why I'm spending uh, so much time out in the outer counties uh, because yeah, I think I, those I, are the backbone. It is, and that is the true heart and soul of the sixth congressional district. And I think that um, I think we have some great candidates running, and I think that ultimately you look at this race. And as somebody who analyzes politics on the local level, and as you know, I've covered this race in depth. I'm a Republican, and we're going to support the the person who comes out on top um, in the Republican primary on April 26. And uh, you know, I, I and let me say this: um, you know, I am not helping any candidate, uh, one candidate. If somebody asks Kim and I, Kim and I are volunteers. We would help anybody go out and hand out literature, whether it be Commissioner Baker or Delegate Vote or Frank Howard. We're going to help any Republican uh, to try to, to win this seat. So I just want to make that known to anybody that's listening. And, um, you know, we're here to help all Republicans. And, you know, well, you you're ask here for to help, do we're... the right thing, which is let's well, defeat Delaney. Right. Um, and so, you know, I look at the... The issue from last night, this abortion issue, that Brian, I mean, that's Brian's issue. I mean, he's, he's and, and I'm not begrudging him, he's a Catholic like myself. You were raised Catholic, and let me, and, and Brian is pro-life, and, you know, he is a good guy. He, I mean, I think at heart, Brian is a good guy. I just think that he happens to be incredibly wrong on this issue, and what he did in this piece was fundamentally and intellectually dishonest. And truly, Ami... I don't know if you're ever going to get an invite to go into Red Maryland, but you know, did if you had an opportunity to look face to face to Mr. Griffiths, then what would you say to him? Well, I'd, I'd tell him that everyone says that he ought to be more honorable than that, and so you know, would I would I get an apology and a retraction, and we can go forward from there. If he is a competent journalist, he ought to understand that he did this. Um, you know, in a, a totally wrong, misinterpretive fashion, and I have to assume that it was, pers- you know, purposeful. Uh, and we, ha- have you, know. you met Brian, or have have you ever been on the, um, the, the 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 very scantly listened to Red Maryland Radio Network? No, I am not. I have never been on it. I've never been invited to be. I'd be happy to go if he would uh, issue such an invitation. But I mm-hmm. think what he's missing here is that our main objective as Republicans should be to beat John Delaney, despite the fact that his name was misused yesterday a few times. But And I think I'm the best one to beat Delaney. I think I've got the most relevant experience among the candidates. I think I have a personal commitment to the job. I don't need it. I'm choosing to run because I think I have expertise that can help solve some problems like security, uh, the loss of companies and jobs in Maryland and in our district, and the protection of those who need help. I think I well, offer a 
conservative voice in Congress for the whole district. I care about the whole district in a way that I don't believe our current congressman does. Uh, and I think I can bring together the coalition that can beat him. And, I mean, we're at a ripe time for, for serious change in, uh, in government. And, uh, and look, we are tired. Like, and like him or hate him, Donald Trump is right when he says we are tired of the political correctness. It's destroying our country. And I agree with that statement, Ami, and that sentiment is really resonating. And so, you know, I appreciate you coming on today and talking to me and, and hashing out this issue. And, again, you have said you are unequivocally pro, that you do not support abortion, that you, you personally are opposed to abortion, to, to, to abortion. And, you know, for someone to write that about you and attempt to smear your name and to defile your reputation um, as a conservative candidate, I think it's beyond reprehensible. And Brian Griffith, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it, and, you know, I expect for him to take me on too, Brian Griffiths should man up and apologize for putting out a disgusting hit piece like he did. Well, I should hope so. Um, and that's that's my belief. And I, I said I said that I would do this for any candidate. I would have them come on and talk. And I've had an opportunity to talk. And you know, I I always like to do this. And you know, the the brighter and greener side of this race. You've met some interesting people, and you've met some of the candidates. And um, you know, of the candidates, Ami, what's, is there any candidates or are there some of their positions that, that you like or is there certain candidates that you really you really think could also do a good job in this race? Oh, absolutely. I think any of us would be better than Delaney. It would be, it would be hard not to be. That's a very low bar. Uh, I'm not sure that my opponents would, in the primary would consider that necessarily a compliment. Um, but... I think any of us would be better than what we have today. It's just that I think I would be best. I think that uh, there are there are a few candidates that are definitely putting in the groundwork. I think that uh, you are one of them. I think that Frank Howard is one of them, and I think that David Vogt is one of those candidates. Um, and I think that Terry Baker is getting out and about all over this uh, all over the district and and and, and working at it. And he had a Terry had a solid debate performance last evening, and um, I think uh, Chris Mason is a is a nice guy um, and has some interesting ideas. And Dr. Dr. Scott Chang, uh, he has um, he ran before, and uh, he has some 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 good ideas as well. And you know, Robin Ficker, I think that um, some of his activism in Montgomery County has been um, uh, that has really helped uh, and has brought to light some of the tax issues. Um, and, geez, who am I missing? I don't know. Um, and Harold Painter. Oh, Harold, Harold Painter. I think he's a really nice guy, and he has some substantive issues. And I know last night there was – he said that he would move – what, was it the department uh, – it was the agriculture. agriculture to Kansas City. I don't know if that would work. Well, I'm not sure it really would, actually, and I'm not sure we want it to because I think that uh, having that in – Nearby Maryland, with all of its agricultural interests, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, on the I other mean, hand, uh, I'd be perfectly willing to cut it. <laughs> yeah, and, and certainly that will be one of the uh, your your priorities when you get to Congress is figuring out how we can get rid of the waste and red tape and let government and let people breathe and get government off the backs of everyday citizens. I mean, we have about a minute and thirty four seconds left. And I'd just like for you to give you your final take. My final take is that I am grateful for the opportunity you have given me, Ryan, to clarify my position or to re-clarify my position and to expand on it a little and expand on why I think I'm the right candidate. I appreciate that. And I know that you're busy, as all the candidates are busy. And I appreciate you coming on and uh, trusting me. And, hey, Ami, you know me. Uh, like me or hate me, I'm going to give you a fair shake and I'm going to tell you the way I feel. <laughs> and uh, in my career, I've upset some people, but uh, I am who I am. And uh, my my goal was to, to give you the opportunity to come on uh, because I know what Red Maryland did to you last night was unfair. Uh, and I think that it was wrong. And as I said again, say it again, Brian Griffiths, I think you should apologize for the, for the disgusting piece that you put out and deleted it. 
and then just be honest with people. So, uh, Ami, I want to say thank you. Um, I look forward to seeing you out on the campaign trail. Um, I know you'll be busy uh, this weekend, so come back anytime. Look, any candidate that wants to come on has an open platform. So, Ami, thanks again for uh, making time for me this afternoon. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and I'll see you okay. on the campaign trail. All right. Well, uh, have a great weekend, and we will talk soon. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.